If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hi, Billy Cunningham, The Great American. In about an hour or so, we've scheduled a Karen Johnson of Channel 5 to be here to talk about more of what's happening in Claremont County. And there's probably few lawyers in the tri-state that have the same experiences of James Bogan when it comes to representing individuals charged with death penalty eligible offenses. There's not been an announcement yet they're going to go for the death penalty. But to knowing uh, Mark Katova, who is the prosecutor there, and the fact Claremont County is a very tough place to have a criminal defense made on an NGRI, I would anticipate some decision might be made in the next few weeks to try this as a death penalty case that puts all kinds of things in play. And, of course, Chad Derman is facing, I hope, the death penalty soon for the murder of his seven, five, and three-year-old sons. He lined them up and shot them one by one. I assume the seven-year-old made it out of the house, chased him down in the field, brought him back, and executed him again. And uh, James Bogan has great expertise in this area. And James Bogan, welcome again to the Bill Cunningham Show. And, and James, tell the American people about how many... Uh, Aggravated murder cases have you handled, and how many were not guilty by reason of insanity, the so-called NGRI? I've handled quite a few not aggravated murder cases. I've handled been on three death penalty cases. Two of them I did not go on to until completion. And the third one, we tried it, and he was got life without parole. And if you recall last year, I had that Roselawn bar shooter where he was He's schizophrenic and was unmedicated at the time, but he was found by two separate doctors not to qualify for not guilty by reason of insanity. So when the public says, oh, he'll get off on insanity, that's really a misconception. It's an extremely hard standard to meet. Let's talk about the standard, because in this case, uh, as far as the defenses, uh, one uh, might be I didn't do it. That appears to be off the board. Another one might be self-defense or justification. Uh, that's off the board. The only thing that remains is uh, NGRI, not guilty by reason of insanity. What are the standards in, in the state of Ohio if someone uh, says I'm not guilty by reason of insanity? What are the standards to find somebody not guilty under that uh, banner? Well, Bill, you would also be looking at competency and the serious mental illness defense, which applies only to death penalty. But for not guilty by reason of insanity, you have to prove that as a result of a severe mental disease or defect, the your client did not appreciate the wrongfulness of their actions. In the Roseland Bar shooting case, the reason why the doctors felt that he knew right from wrong was because right after he shot the guy in the head, he ran which tends to show that you're wrong. Trying to kill witnesses, trying to get away, or trying to kill yourself are three things that would indicate right from wrong. But in this case, what a lawyer would be looking at with this tragedy in Claremont County is the fact that the defendant did not try to kill any witnesses. He did not try to kill himself. He did not try to run. After he shot these boys in front of a bunch of witnesses, he sat down on the steps and with his rifle by his side 
he wasn't holding it. It was laying by his side just waiting for the police. And so in a case where he would kill the witnesses, I assume his wife, and then a case where he would try to kill himself and I guess and miss, or in a case he ran away, that would be cognizant of guilt that I know I did wrong, therefore I'm getting away from the wrong. And so the fact that Chad Derman sat on the front steps with the rifle on his left side is indication of insanity? That Those are things that his lawyers would need to look at, and doctors would ultimately make the determination. But even if he's found not to qualify for not guilty by reason of insanity, there's the serious mental illness defense, which disqualifies certain defendants with a serious mental illness from the death penalty. This is under the Ohio Revised Code, if you want me to describe that. Yeah, describe a mental illness. So instead of, I didn't know right from wrong, I didn't know, I thought I was shooting a Coke machine and it was my three-year-old, assuming that doesn't fly, what is this serious mental defense that, uh, that you lawyers sometimes look at to get someone free of these charges? What is that? This is actually something now that now has to be looked at in every death penalty case. First, the defendant has been diagnosed with either schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, bipolar disorder, or delusional disorder. And the second prong is, while not meeting the standard for being found not guilty by reason of insanity and being found competent to stand trial, is was significantly impaired the mental illness significantly impaired the person's capacity to exercise rational judgment in relation to the person's conduct with respect to either conforming the person's conduct to the requirements of the law or appreciating the nature, consequences, or wrongfulness of the person's conduct. Those are the prongs under the serious mental illness defense in Ohio. So he can claim, look, I'm seriously mentally ill. I, I think, according to prosecutors, uh, Mark Tacova. He planned this for many weeks. There was a news conference held last week in which prosecutors said he planned this out. Does not work against a uh, not guilty of a reason of insanity or a serious mental illness. If someone is planning out, if, if for a period of three, let's say three weeks, he's planning out to do it. He gets up in the morning. He takes a shower. He brushes his teeth. He puts his, puts his shoes on, puts his clothes on. That's indication of the mind is working. I don't know if he had a job, but let's say he's working, gets in a car, has enough mental capacity to start the car. He conforms to the traffic laws as he drives to work every day. He has conversations at work with individuals that are of such a character, they don't turn him in for mental illness. He then leaves work. He's obeying stop signs. He's stopping at traffic lights. He's yielding to the right of way. In other words, his mind is working every step along the way. Doesn't that work against the mental illness if a, if a person's mind is working and, and they're, they're, that proves they're not mentally ill? Yes, that is a factor. And yes, that would be a factor in the probably doesn't possibly doesn't qualify column. On the other hand, what you'd also have to look at is why did he plan it? Did he think these boys were possessed by demons or something? Now, I'm just speculating because right. I'm not right. a doctor and I'm not on this case. But those are all things that need to be looked at. Well, what, what if God was telling what if, Hold on. Well, on that point, James Bogan, what if God was telling him that he had to kill these three boys, that they had to be sent to heaven or maybe to hell, whatever his sick mind would say? There's some speculation that he was listening to God when he killed the three boys. That's definitely something to look at that would show delusions. 
And one thing I was just getting at, Bill, is I saw an interview with his dad by WCPO, and the dad had indicated that his son had choked him back in 2010, or his son was charged with choking him in 2010. I'm wondering if that could have been a sign of something else going on with him. 2010, at his age, that would be around the time where if he does have a mental health issue, that would be, he's 32 now, that would be around the time where first breaks tend to happen. Because of the male brain that develops by the time they're 25 or 30. So if you're a teenage boy or a teenage girl, there's a terrible events taking place where teenage girls are, are performing uh, self-harm on themselves, that those are the times when mental illness tends to emerge. It's between the ages of like 14 and 25 years old for a male. So if this happened when he was like 20 years old, that would indicate he's going down the avenue of mental illness. That's something that could be a sign. Now, I could be way off on that, and you know, I'm just speculating, but that's something, if you're his lawyer, you want to make sure stuff like that is in front of the doctors who are evaluating your, they, you know, they like to have as much collateral information as possible, be as thorough as possible. Now, lastly, on the issue of mental illness, sometimes the quality and character of the offense committed plays into it. If some man and woman gets into it and they're going crazy at each other and somebody pulls out a gun and shoots the spouse, you can say, well, you know, it, it was a spouse fight. Uh, you get emotional. Crazy stuff goes on. But when you kill a seven, five and a three year old, th- there can be no justification. I've seen the pictures and we have Karen Johnson coming up in about an hour on this topic. Uh, they're beautiful little children. Does the quality of the crime committed play into the fact that no sane person would do that? No, that does not play into it at all. I mean, I the one time I actually did have a client file, found not guilty by reason of Sandy, it was a robbery case where he knocked a guy off his bicycle, took it, and then just stayed right there in the area instead of trying to get away with it. So really, Derman, because he didn't leave the scene, because he was compliant, is an indication of NGRI because he didn't run, didn't kill the other witness, shot her in the hand, but uh, he didn't kill the uh, the stepdaughter, that the fact he stayed at the scene helps his defense. I think it does, and he the w- wife was only shot in the hand, I believe, when she was trying to defend the children. She was trying to grab the gun from him. So he did not kill she the witness. He wasn't a target. Yeah, so he she wasn't a target. He didn't try to kill her. He could have easily taken the gun back, pointed at her and blown her away, and he could have easily blown away his stepdaughter or any other witnesses who were there. Now, how does this all fit in the mix? I don't know. Again, I'm just speculating, but those are all things that would have to be looked at. So the fact that he didn't kill his wife and his stepdaughter, and the fact that he stayed at the scene, is more indicative of a mental illness than someone who would leave. That You could interpret it as that. Now... I can't say that to 100% certainty, again, because I'm not a doctor, but that's certainly something to look at. How hard would it be? When I did active cases of NGRI, I could always find one or two psychiatrists that uh, would say this person is mentally ill, could not conform his behavior 
uh, to the dictates of the law, did not know the difference between right and wrong. It wasn't that hard since you're in, in the business actively today. Is it somewhat easy or difficult to find a psychiatrist to say that someone is not guilty by reason of insanity? Is that still e somewhat easy to do? You really don't have Renton experts. Uh, the court clinic, they tend to be, well, in Hamilton County, you have the court clinic. I, I've never used a psychologist or psychiatrist out in Claremont County, but the doctors who are uh, brought in by the court to do the initial evaluation, I've always found them to be very objective. And then when you go and get someone like Dr. Carla Dreyer or someone like that for a second opinion, they're not going to be, in my experience, the credible ones are not going to be Renan experts. So, uh, uh, right now, uh, last question. When I uh, was more actively involved, I wanted cases in Hamilton County, in Cincinnati. I didn't want them in Butler County. I didn't want them in Boone County. I didn't want them in Claremont County because the jury pool can be a bit more difficult in Claremont County than it might be in Hamilton County. Is that still true? Um, yeah, you have to be, I, in my experience, you have to be more careful with jury selection out in the outlying counties. Now, I'm not saying that as a knock on anybody, but that's just by the numbers. But, you know, I was, you know, in my, my death penalty case, I was in Butler County and we were able to get the jury to not even consider the death penalty. Hmm. And you're not been assigned to the case. Uh, uh, let me ask you this, James. You've got no communication in this case whatsoever. If the court would get a hold of you, because you're one of the few qualified, there's all kind of certification you got to go through. Would you take this kind of case? Absolutely. I go by the old school rule, the unwritten rule that you know of, that when a judge asks you to take a case, you don't say no. And taking it not an endorsement of the client's conduct that they're accused of, it's an endorsement of the constitution and due process because if these rights get diminished for even people charged with the worst crimes they eventually get diminished for the rest of us and you remember when i was on here last year talking about the story of john adams right right with the boston massacre yeah he said he took the case because he believed that every person charged with a crime is entitled to a fair trial and a competent defense he felt very strongly about that, and he considered that one of the most important services he ever rendered to this country. Are you looking forward to a telephone call? Because uh, I I would not look forward to doing this case, but you're saying you would do it. I would do it if I was asked. Now, do I actively solicit to do these cases? No, that's ambulance chasing. But whenever a judge asks me to take a difficult case which judges do tend to trust me with difficult cases because in addition to my private practice i do take these uh, some appointments yes you do it because it's to make sure there's due process it's gonna be hard to, it's gonna be due yeah without due process all of us it makes it it makes it certain the system Make sure in the next case they cross all the T's and dot all the I's by having a rigorous defense of Chad Derman. I don't think, I think it'd be damn near impossible to get a not guilty in Claremont County on this case. But odder things right. have happened. And uh, James Bogan, once again, thank you for your expertise. And thank you for coming on the Bill Cunningham Show this Tuesday afternoon. Thank, thank you very much, James. Thank you, Bill. Always a privilege, Bill. Thank you. God bless you. Let's continue with more. Line becomes available, 513-749-7000, pound 700, the new AT&T.
And uh, more likely, uh, they're going to try this to a three-judge panel. I think that's the better. The legal arguments may fall upon more uh, fertile ground to judges than juries. Because I don't think jurors are going to give this guy any break at all. Bill Cunningham, News Radio 700, WLW. Did you know that if you miss any part of our shows, you can catch the podcast of that show on the iHeartRadio app? Did you also know that a snail can sleep for three years? Just think of all our podcasts they could be listening to instead. Boy, snails are stupid. Financial planning. Are you now thinking about retirement? The stock market today is way down. Are you worried about that? Do you worry you may not have enough money saved? Why not call Cord into Financial Planning and set up a no-cost or obligation consultation now? They will recommend a specific strategy to your personal circumstances. If you have assets of over $200,000, $200,000, call Steve Perrin Jr. That's Steve Perrin Jr. at 513-769-3131, 769-3131 or CordInfinancialPlanning.com.